Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Knight Court. Today we are discussing chapters 13 and 14 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. That is not our theme song. <laughs> we are getting sued now. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Please don't sue us. You know that's what we walked into at our wedding. I do, yeah. Now your wedding is going to get sued. Because my husband, yeah. Was a glorified 10-year-old. No. Libby, how's your week been? Um, interesting. My child is, like, really into Green Day. Like, really hard into Green Day. Like, that's all she's listening to? For the most part, yeah. My preschooler is hard into Green Day, and, like, she'll tell the Alexa to, to play certain songs. Like, she really likes Holiday, um wait does she know the songs yeah like she knows them she knows the the words to them she knows the the titles of them so she'll be like alexa play i'm so sorry if i ignite anyone's alexa but she'll she'll tell it like alexa play holiday or um like she the one that she really likes but she kind of disagrees with she thinks that they're mispronouncing september um she'll so she'll tell it like alexa play six timber and it knows, like, it'll be like, yeah, playing Wake Me Up When September Ends. And she's like, it's September, but whatever. It's like, no, no, it's not. So are our birthdays in September then? I've, apparently, we've been horribly uh, misguided our entire lives. And thank goodness. She's going to be so sad when she finds out we're not six. Well, I, I don't know where she got this from. I, I, we constantly were like, September. And she's like, yeah, no, no, mommy, that's not what it is. And I'm like, that, it is though. It is. I'm wrong. You're wrong. It's September, mom. How about you, Abby? <laughs> well, I'm really excited because I'm taking the entire next month off. Right, right. Now, not off of the podcast. We're still recording. But I'm taking it off from my not job photography. Yep. I'm not booking any photo shoots next month. Except for the four I already have scheduled. I'm so jealous. But shh. That's like, I, I wish, man. Well, Libby, I haven't, and neither of you, but I haven't taken time off since I joined the workforce 10 years ago. That's, yeah. Yeah. Like, I've never had an extended vacation. I've always worked. And when we came to Italy, I was like, I'm going to take the whole three years off just to relax. <laughs> and as we discussed last week, a month in, I was like, screw that. But I have been feeling overworked, um, a little bit burnt out, some might say, from overcrowding my schedule. So per my therapist's request and my husband's, I'm taking the whole month off. Oh, man. If I have to... <laughs> <laughs> oh no if i had to take some rest oh yes i'm gonna do like just crafty stuff i'm gonna start baking sourdough bread for the first time i'm gonna do some baking for my husband's squadron i'm still waiting for your um cookbook uh, like i'm not kidding i do need to make a cookbook 
I'm still waiting. You and I want my I want a signed copy. Someday, someday I'll do a cookbook. I'm gonna uh, try to get into making like clay earrings just because that sounds really relaxing. And I think I'm gonna get back into painting for a little bit. So just gonna take the month off of July because it's hot as hell here and they don't really believe in AC in Italy. So I'm gonna not do anything and just boil alive in my house. Interesting. I, I liked the first half. I didn't really like the not having AC part, but everything else sounded great. Well, okay, I take it back. They technically have air conditioners, but... These houses were built like a million and five years ago and central air wasn't a thing. Ah. Libby, I want you to be beyond grateful that there's an air vent in the room you're currently in pumping in air conditioning because there is not one in my room where I'm in my li like living room office area. The only AC unit in the entire house is in the hallway. It's going to take a moment. Give thanks to the AC gods. Thank you. Bless you. Yes, please send some AC my way. Um, it's, you know, we're in northern Italy towards the mountains, which I was told was supposed to be cooler. Okay. Um, it's 95 outside today, so I don't know where the cool part. But you know what the fun thing is about not having the central heating? You can unironically use the phrase, cauldrons boil me now. There you go. Yeah, I sure can. Um, speaking of, somebody said that the crock pot is the current version of a cauldron. <laughs> and I've loved nothing better in my entire life. That is so true. And so now I'm making a crock pot recipe this week. I'm here for it. And then you can add it to your cookbook. Or should I say a cauldron recipe? A whole, I should do a cauldron cookbook. Yes, cauldrons boil me cookbook. I love it. Yes. That's actually really cute. Could you imagine like a... Um, a mass-inspired cookbook. Yes, unofficial cook. Yes. Well, I mean, you can get um, licensed through her, so it could even be the official. I mean, that would be amazing if you're listening. That'd be super cool. But yes, taking the whole month off, doing fun things, and I'll make sure to keep you guys updated. Maybe I'll put some on our Instagram. Please do. I can live vicariously through you. Libby, what's our question this week? Okay, so yes, question of the week. What is something that most people love, but that you find overrated? I'm going to let you go first because I have a couple answers and I am um, very passionate about them. So like my top two are a formal education. Don't get me wrong. I think college is great. I think it's phenomenal. For doctors <laughs> and lawyers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really do. I, I think it's phenomenal. I'm proud of anyone who goes and, and obtains a degree and who puts in the time and the effort and the work. You're hands down. That's amazing. I'm proud of you. Good work. And the money. But I fully don't think that it should be as pushed onto people as it is. I don't think that you need a college education to have a successful future and a successful life. You know, uh, there's technical schools, there's certifications, there's plenty of careers that don't require two to four years of schooling to to have a, a profitable future. I, I, I have known more people that have gotten uh, technical schooling for welding for um, AC work and they make a lot more than some of my friends who have graduated college who now can't find jobs because they might have the degree but they don't have the experience to back it up or even in the arts like photography wise a lot of people go to school photog for photography and then 
Yes. Don't have any real world experience and aren't that great. Like sometimes, and both, neither, I mean, Libby, I don't have a degree. Do you have a degree? No, I mean, we both, obviously we met in college. We went to college and we realized really quickly that we were wasting our time. (laughs) It was our time and money. Yeah. Just wasn't for us. Yeah. And you know, when my, if my kid goes to college, I'm going to be super proud of her, but um, as long as she has some form of plan to provide for her life and future, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to involve college. What's your second one? Bras. Okay, this is because you're part of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee. Look, and that's, that is a very true statement. Uh, I, it is, there's not much going on there. Uh, it, there really isn't. And to me, it is just irritating to to have to wear a bra I'm, I'm glad that I work from home but it frustrates the heck out of me in, in to think of having to go into an office and wear a bra because someone would be offended by a little bit of nip and or take it to um as an I don't know an invitation or an offensive whatever you would take it as it's not for you I just don't like wearing a bra I have to fight with you on this because I also don't enjoy wearing a bra <sighs> But between losing almost 100 pounds and not being part of the the tiny committee here, (laughs) they're kind of necessary sometimes because if I want to go run or even walk quickly or ride in a car or jump. That's very fair. That's yeah, mine aren't going. There's no way they're not going that far. I don't want to smack myself in the face. Someday I'll get uh, reduction surgery. It's not that day. But I'll fight you on that one, Livy. But mine, um, I think sports cars are stupid. Oh, yeah. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on tiny little vehicles that go vroom vroom super quick. Okay. I have relatives that have how many, I I can't even count, like however many sports cars sitting in their driveways that don't even work. It's like they've been sitting there for years and you're like, I'm just going to fix this this little thing and, and it'll go. I'm like, are you going to do it though? Because it's an eyesore for all of us, please. They're keeping them as like little trophies. And I'm like, ah. one of my best friends, her husband loves his sports cars and I love him. But if you tell me one more thing about a transmission that I don't care about, my friend. Oh. And then also... um. In Italy, olives are a very big thing. (laughs) Okay. And olives are disgusting pits from hell that belong nowhere. I like olives, but okay. (laughs) Understood. No, they're salty and they're funky and I hate them. And then finally, low rise anything. Low rise jeans. Go ahead and uh, you can say that again for me too because even on skinny people, I'm like, The area below your belly button to your hoo-ha, I don't need to see. I don't want it. I've never seen a single person that looked good in low-rise anything. I have, like, I can, I can easily fit into low-rise things. I don't like it. I don't like feeling I am one wrong crouch away from everything being out there. You don't like showing off your lower abdomen? No, I don't like, I don't like having... Because I drop things all the time. I drop stuff. And no, I'm not cute about bending over to pick stuff up. So yeah, things are going to show. And it's not fun. I don't like... Maybe your butt crack's going to hang out. What? Your butt crack's going to hang out. Yes, I don't need that. It's not cute. I don't... It's not attractive. I don't understand 
why these didn't stay dead from the early 2000s. Like, why are these making a comeback? Gen Z is like, bring back low rise. I said, I will put you six feet under the ground if you do. Right. I, yeah. You know what? No, thank you. Gross. I, I don't get it. It's not comfy. They're not cute. Like, what is the appeal? And maybe, you know, I guess I'm aging myself and I hope we don't lose any listeners over this, but stop. Just please. I feel like we're these old millennials <laughs> now. They're like, get off my lawn and take away those low rise jeans with you. I, I can't wait. I want to be the neighborhood witchy, grumpy old lady. I want kids to be like, we don't, we skip that house on Halloween. She's too much. Libby, we are self-declared grandmas. That's fair. I'm ready to like, like I look forward to that part of my life. I, I know a lot of people fear aging. I am excited for, yeah, I'm excited for that. It's going to be great. Libby, are you ready for our chapters though? Yeah, of course I am. Chapter 13. Tamlin lit the hundred or so candles with a simple wave of his hand, illuminating the grand study filled with scholarly works, couches, desks, and rugs. Feyre has been gone a little over a week now and plans to write home and warn her family of the blight. Trouble was that Favor could hardly read and write. Their mother had neglected their education, and once they lost their wealth, Nesta and Elaine deemed the local school to be beneath them. She knew asking Lucian would only be humiliation. He would tease her for her lack of education and simply refuse to help. The next morning, Favor was back in the study alone and struggling to read simple sentences. She copies words down that she cannot understand or pronounce. Favor steps back and takes in the study, which appears to be more of a library. She wanders through stacks and sees a rose garden through a window and absorbs the colors and their dozens of hues. Favor catches a glimpse of a painting. As she investigates further, she finds it to be a mural, a masterpiece hidden away. Its colors and shapes told a story of the beginnings of Prithian, the beginning from a cauldron held by the hands of a woman surrounded by star-filled endless night. The woman's hands tipped over the cauldron, allowing starlight liquid and unspoken olden fey language to spill and form the world as it was now. Following panels detailed humans being slaughtered for their uprising hundreds of years prior, and then trailing off as the painter couldn't be bothered to acknowledge the new world. The mapped lands split into seven, the seven courts of Prithian. Feyre examines and is drawn in to the lethal beauty of the night court. In the center of the map was a snowy mountain range, the heart of the map, but no indication on what it might be. The mural was not meant for her to see. Feyre retreats back to her small table and mentally notes to never go north. Feyre starts going through children's books and her lists of words grow longer, so long, in fact, that Favor crumples the paper and throws it into the trash can. Tamlin creeps up and offers to help Feyre, startling her. Feyre is immediately defensive and questions why Tamlin would want to help instead of mock her. Tamlin tells her he would not mock her for a shortcoming that isn't her fault. Feyre is offended. Shortcoming? She refuses his help and Tamlin gets angry. He can't believe she thinks he would spend his time trying to come up with ways to make fun of her. He starts to argue that she will go hunting with Lucian, but Feyre cuts him off, saying that Lucian isn't fake. He doesn't pretend. Feyre tells Tamlin she doesn't know him or what he wants or what he is. She can't trust him. Tamlin tells her that she isn't what he had in mind for a human, and Feyre is again offended, interpreting his words to mean that he was calling her illiterate, ignorant, unremarkable, and proud, just as Nesta would. Feyre leaves. She sulks and dwells on her shortcomings. 
She eventually makes her way to Lucian's room to inquire about the cereal and how one would trap it. Lucian says if he were a cereal, he would probably have a weakness for grove birch trees and freshly slaughtered chickens, so much so that he wouldn't notice a double loop snare rigged around the grove to pin him in place. He also says that if he were crazy enough to go after a cereal, he would bring a bow and a knife to prepare to run like hell once it was free of the snare, running to water since they hate crossing it. But he's not crazy, so he would probably be conveniently hunting the grounds with his high fey hearing and feeling generous if anyone screamed for help. Feyre and Lucian part ways with an unspoken understanding of what is to come. Chapter 14. Feyre repeated the instructions from Lucian as she made her way to the spring woods. No one questioned her when she left. She carried Lucian's knife, a bow, and quiver with her. Thera noted how empty the lands in front of her were, but kept seeing something shining in the corner of her eye. When she would turn to look at it, it was always gone. Thera could feel in her bones how old the forest she entered was. She wondered how long it had been since another human had stepped foot there. She hurried her way forward, remembering there was only a few hours until sunset. Thera spotted the birch trees, mapped out the way to the closest stream, laid her snare, and waited in a nearby oak. Her thoughts wandered while waiting, wondering if the men ever grew tired of the endless spring, how she would have loved this weather back home, and that she wished to see more of this new world around her. She began to move slightly, just to keep her body from going numb, when she felt the woods hush around her. She took solace in the knowledge that she had laid her snares carefully and not left her scent on the chicken, but even so, she worried it might not have been enough. She heard a snap and a whoosh and a scream that made her blood run cold. Then, she climbed out of the tree to meet the surreal. Upon looking at the creature in front of her, she remarked that Lucian must have really wanted her to die. Before her hung a tall, thin, veiled creature with scabby gray arms and yellow fingernails. He was tearing at the snare to try to get away. Feyre asked if the creature was one of the surreal, and it didn't answer at first. It looked at her with its skinless, lipless mouth and creepy long teeth with black gums and white eyes. She repeated her question and finally received confirmation. The surreal asked which of its peers told the human about its existence. Feyre said her mother had told her stories of them, but the surreal could smell the lie on her. Feyre finally asked him the question she trapped him for. Is there truly no way for her to go home? His answer ripped away any form of hope she still had. Not unless you seek to be killed and your family with you, you must remain here. She decided that since she was stuck here, she might as well learn something. She asked about Tamlin, what the creature knew about him. The Surreal said she must be more specific about what her question was because he knew a lot about the High Lord of the Spring Court. W wait, the High Lord of the Spring Court? Tamlin? The Surreal was interested in the fact that Thera had not known that her captor was a High Lord and began to explain the courts around them. There were the spring, summer, autumn, winter, dawn, day, and night, each ruled by a High Lord, all of them with their own deadly power. Thera wondered why the Surreal wasn't stuck wearing a mask, and he said it's because he's not a member of the Spring Court or of any court. He was older than the High Lords, Perinthian, and the bones of this world entirely. She questions what could have been done about the Blight. He didn't answer her. He said to stay with the High Lord and that she would be safe. Frustrated, she asked where the Blight came from. He answered another fairy kingdom across the Western Sea named Highburn that was ruled by an evil king. Yes, king, not High Lord. They didn't even have their territories divided there. The king of Highburn wasn't happy he had been forced to sign the treaty and thus started a brutal war against the humans. The Surreal stopped quickly and said they weren't alone. She needed to untie him now and run for the High Lord's manor. Stay with the High Lord and see everything righted, he pleaded to her. She was frightened and asked what creature was there. The Surreal replied with the Naga, fairies made of shadow, hate, and rot. 
They had smelled her and heard his scream. They must go now. As Pharaoh grabbed her knife to free the snare, four figures of shadow came through the trees, made of a shadow so dark it looked like a starless night. And there's our cliffhanger, Libby. It's back. It feels like home. Of course it is. We can't go that long without a cliffhanger, right? It's safe. So right away, what gets me is that Favra goes so far as to wait till like the next day after being brought to the study to dive into to her work, you know, I guess you could call it work where she's trying to, to write this letter. She kind of gives herself time uh, not wanting to chance Tamlin or anybody coming in and peering over her. So she gives herself this time. So she's got now the time and the privacy to be in the study slash library and she's struggling. And so she decides to kind of wander and she finds this mural, this amazing mural where beautiful mural, right? Which in like, at first she is just absolutely admiring it. She, it's she because she even says it's not a painting it's massive it's it's a mural like the ambition it's a masterpiece she really describes this to be this un- incomparable work of art and as she's examining it I mean the, my favorite quote is from this part where she says a mighty black cauldron held by glowing slender female hands in a starry endless night like she's painting this picture for us as well and she's admiring it but then she starts to realize like oh this is not human friendly like the this was made almost dis- with the disgust of humans and I I wonder how that must feel to to see something and feel so moved and just like think it's so beautiful only to realize like it's almost offensive for you or it's not meant for you right but also can we talk about the cauldron it's been capitalized so many times and now we finally know it's because it's an actual cauldron like the start of their world it was it seems like it was the world was made from the cauldron it is what i'm getting from the description of the of the um mural right that's their that's their beginning marker that's their creationism their big bang that is their their starting point so now we can kind of attest that that is the creation of this universe cauldron bless now we have a reason for it i really love that we we got that right well and then within this mural uh this cauldron mural we're also seeing um, that there's a map. There's a map of the seven different courts of Prithian. We we find out how this uh, area is split up. And I think this is the first time that Feyre gets to kind of get in an idea of where she's at. Because everyone's left her in the dark up until, the, until this point. They're just like, yeah, you're somewhere safe-ish. Eh, 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 safe, kind of. You're fine. Yeah, uh, but she cl- she has no idea. Like, in her mind, it's not like where, like, she can't place herself. Which to me, as and you would probably understand too, as people who move around a lot, like that's important. It's important in your mind to be able to like pinpoint in some sense where you are at in the world. It it is very disorienting to be someplace new and to not be able to have a, 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 a knowledge of your surroundings. And especially if you're forced to go there against your will. Very kidnappy. <laughs> you really start to realize like, oh... Oh, I, I'm not allowed to know where I'm at. That's that's not freedom. Okay. I mean, it's not. She's not in a freedom situation. Um, 
But so then we're told there's uh, the autumn court, summer court, winter court, um, dawn court, day court. Obviously, she's in the spring court. And then the night court, which she really seems to, yeah, the night, yeah, she really seems to focus in on. And she's saying, you know, like, it's, it's, it's almost described as, like, not even scary, but, like, you almost want to feel scared by it. But it's so beautiful that you can't be. It's alluring. And, and it's the biggest one, you know? Yes. It's, it's almost like the night court itself is this predatorial, but it draws in the prey where it's like, come to me almost. She says, and above that perched in frozen mount, in a frozen mountainous spread of darkness and stars, the sprawling massive territory of the night court. She didn't give anybody else any descriptions. Right. She didn't even, she hasn't even really acknowledged the spring court. She hasn't talked about, you know, the, and she's there. She is in the spring court and she doesn't really focus too much on, on her surroundings, but like simply seeing the night court on the map. And she's like, wow, like that is gorgeous. And at the same time, she's got this weariness where she's like, don't ever go north. Don't go there. That's mm, something's up. Red flags there. Even though it's pretty. It's pretty, and I think I should never go there ever, please. It's pretty dangerous. No, and I, I love that she even said there were things in the shadow between those mountains, little eyes, gleaming teeth, a land of lethal beauty. The hair on my arms rose. Right? She's got a feeling. Like, she, she got chills. She got actual chills there. The only other place on the map that she really seemed to focus on was the snowy mountain range. But we don't know much about it other than um, it's got one solitary peak. It's bald of snow, bald of life. There's nothing, nothing living wants to be around it. it. It's just this heart of the heart of Prithian, this mountain range. And it, it just seems odd for her to touch on that. But that's kind of really the only perspective we get is that here this is. And then right after she notices that, she's like, yep, I knew this mural wasn't for human eyes. Gotta go. Something's wrong. She's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back and sit down. And then she, she's, what gets me is that like, she's starting with children's books. And it makes me wonder, like, does she think she, I mean, obviously, she knows she's illiterate. And and it makes me kind of sad for her because she, she even knows she can't handle anything more than a children's book. But then she starts to kind of think of like, why does Tamlin even have these? And I kind of wonder the same thing. Like, were these his or is he like planning for the future? Which like, I cannot see this man as a father. <laughs> I cannot picture it. You know, uh, with his little moodiness, neither can I, buddy. He, his temper tantrums would outmatch that of a child. I I don't know that he could handle a toddler. I don't think he could handle the late nights. I mean, girl, he's already acting like one. Right. No, I, I think the kid would be like, oh, dad's at it again. Like, mm, he needs a timeout. Like, it's... I And, like, Tamlin gives me vibes where he'd be the kind of guy that's like, oh, boys will be boys. And it's just like, no... No. So I'm going to I'm going to talk this one up to hoping these were his books as a child. But it gets sad because like I I think it was previously as she had been trying to read it, she couldn't even get through like basic sentences. Yeah, that was kind of sad. 
It was like, cause then we really get the perspective of just how much she really doesn't know how little she was taught. And I, I truly wonder, like, did Elena Nesta not care? Did they not care? Or were they just that absorbed, self-absorbed that they didn't know? Like, there's no good answer here, but. Right. Like, I don't, I guess it would, it'd make me. I don't, I'm not happy either way, but it'd make me less angry if they simply weren't aware. Because if they were just like, ah, eh, whatever, just screw you, like, figure it out. Like, that, that makes me even angrier if, if that's the case. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we'll find out. I hope, it, I hope we touch on it in, in the future. And I hope we find out that they simply didn't know. But then Tamlin, Tamlin shows up and he's offering to help her. And in that situation, I think... Feyre might have been more offended than she needed to be. I actually did not think Tamlin... You didn't agree with her? I I didn't... I think she was very on edge and defensive as it was. And I think that she completely misconstrued what he was trying to say. Um, I, I get... I think that maybe he used a trigger word by saying like, you know, it's it's not your fault. It, the shortcoming is not your fault. And she focused on the word shortcoming instead of him saying, this isn't your fault. Like, let me help you. And she was so honed in on shortcoming that she wasn't able to hear him say like, hey, like, it's, it's no big deal. It's like, let's do this together. I think that was his like, he actually had a moment of being a decent thing. Human being. Fabie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah yeah i think he had a moment i think he was trying to help and she got defensive because she felt attacked i mean he's already sm- smarter and stronger and bigger and quicker and he's pointing out her very obvious as he said shortcoming well and i think that this is something that she takes very hard as it is it's something that she's very sensitive to on her own uh, you know, she already seems very embarrassed by it without anybody saying anything. Um, and every time he approaches the topic, you, we've seen her only get angry. So to her, him using the word shortcoming, she's like, see, see, like, <laughs> that's how you feel about me. Yeah, right. Okay, when you put it like that, that's really sad. It is. And it, it makes me it makes me sad for Tamlin for a moment. Don't get me wrong. I still don't I still don't love him. But he actually, like we said, he was being decent for a second. He was making an effort to do something that doesn't benefit himself, that could help her. And she snaps at him. She just immediately attacks. And Tamlin's not perceptive. Let's be real. He's not going to pick up on things. All he's going to see is, why is she yelling at me? I'm trying to be nice. So. And then this woman is screaming. And, you know, then he leaves. And, like... I mean, they scream at each other, but, yeah. <laughs> they really go off. And she goes back and... Yeah. And she goes back to try to get her list. And then the list is gone. And she's like, no, 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 no. He didn't do it. It had to be one of the servants, right? Look, bestie. Look. You went way out of your way to make note of that. You you put too much detail in there about how it wasn't Tamlin. So, of course, my guess is... Maybe. That's just me looking at it from a, a literally... From the story, I would probably do the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, I guess the, the staff probably tossed it. Like, I, I could see her mind working. No. 
But no, the way it's written, I'm like, you don't just write that. Like, just, you don't just toss that little detail in. That That's too much detail. And, you know, she starts to, like, reflect and she's like, mm, maybe I should have accepted this man's help. Like, maybe he wasn't being a jerk. Maybe I was a fool. But then the moment she realized, realizes that he said shortcomings. Which... And right after all of this, she she's goes to Lucian for information about the cereal. And it makes me wonder, is she doing this out of spite for that interaction? She's like, mm, I'm mad again. Screw you. Like, hey, I'm, I am smart. Right. Like, I can, I am going to entrap this thing. And I'm going to get the information my way. If you're not going to give it to me, I got it. I'm going to figure out my own way out of this mess. Kind of like... Like a kid who got made fun of. (laughs) Also, Lucian, though, my dude, he knew better. And that's what makes me mad. Like, he's feeding her this information on how to catch the cereal, theoretically. He knows what this girl's going to do because she's proven time and time again she's going to follow through with her actions. I love this interaction, though. I love the way they talk to each other here where they're just like, this isn't happening. Yes, it is. It's happening. Here's what you do. Smart asses. He's like, I probably have a weakness, you know? And what he says to do is outrageous. A dead chicken in the woods. Easy peasy. That's a lot. And she just goes, oh yeah, sure. That's exactly what I need to do. Go ahead and just like a fresh dead chicken. Let me add it. Not even just like a chicken that's waiting to be cooked. Like you don't have to get messy. A freshly dead chicken. That's a, that's a little insane. Like get get your hands dirty. Get out there. Kill this chicken. And he he's like, but I'm not insane. So you'll be here safe and sound, right? And she's uh, and then Lucian goes, you know, I'll be around hunting conveniently with my fey hearing if I hear anything go wrong. You'll have a net of something a safety net if you need it. Like you. Yeah. I could maybe help out. You know, he's kind of even saying like, go, go, go for it, human. <sighs> well, okay. Which, would you trust him? I, I think, and yes, I think I would because we have already been out on rides together. We've formed some sort of bond. And on one of those rides, we were faced with the bog and he kept me safe then. So why after that, would he suddenly throw me to the wolves? You know, why? <laughs> but don't. Why, why would he suddenly not care about my well-being? Like, suddenly it's okay if I'm dead, but when it came to the bog, it wasn't okay if I died. So my ment- my process at that point would be like, yeah, yeah, why wouldn't he continue to have my back somewhat? He does give very specific instructions that then she does go follow. And I mean, it works. She does trap the cereal. Except, um, Bestie Sarah, you gave some really specific instructions about, a really specific description about what she could and couldn't eat in the woods. She's like, I was sitting in a tree and I wanted to eat an apple, but the apple would crisp too much. So then I ate a piece of cheese. I'm like, is this really necessary? You ever like wonder if as a writer, because Sarah, Sarah J. Mass has said that she pulls in like her own feelings and her own uh, situations into her writing as a writer like are when they're writing these things that they're like sitting there like snack hungry like maybe she was just like I really could go for an apple right now but she sounds really good I literally thought this woman needs a piece of cheese Our friend, you know what though like we love cheese in this house unfortunately it doesn't agree with us but we don't listen to our digestive system so I don't blame her. Like as as a cheese lover, I feel that. Mm-hmm. 
she ends up trapping this creature. And the descriptions of the cereal had me a little creeped out. It was a tall, thin, veiled figure in dark, tattered robes. It's hunching back facing me. I could count the hard, <laughs> ew, gross, hard knobs of its spine poking through the thin fabric. Spindly, scabby, gray arms clawed at the snare with yellow cracked fingernails. When I first, like, first read this, I remember thinking, like, I... I'm scared like this actually because I, I it was like the middle of the night it was my first read through and so I wasn't I wasn't yeah it was like the middle of the night it was really dark everyone else was asleep and I was just like oh that that made me really scared to go to bed tonight Ew. like that description I was like I don't want to see that floating down my hallway <laughs> or anywhere but he's my favorite character so far. You're getting ahead, Abby. Calm down. Calm down. No. No, because listen. I'm not even saying future. I'm saying currently. He's my favorite. Because he's gross as hell. This is a nasty creature. But he's a smart ass. That's, you know, that's very true. And uh, obviously, Pharaoh was as creeped out as I was. Because as soon as all he says, the first thing he says is human. And her bowels turn watery. No. Bestie Sarah, stop. <laughs> like, ah. Uh... As somebody with watery bowels, I don't want to be reminded. Right, thank you. Bowels turned water. That is the grossest thing that she could have said. Watery bowels. And I love how he's like, he'll answer the questions he wants to. And then the minute that she asks one that's either like, I guess too personal or he doesn't want to. He's like, let me switch this back on you and asks her something she obviously doesn't want to answer. Right. So like, and I love, this is why I love him. He just sneaks in information. He just sneaks in the most important information. He's like, eh, tell me, you gotta be more specific. What do you want to know about the high Lord of the spring court? And she's like, what? It, it's, it's almost like he's like, you're not asking the right question. Let me help you. Like, this isn't... Yeah, let me just give you the information without giving you it. Right, like, as someone who has the answers to everything, it's like he... I wonder if he knew, if he if he had the ability to foresee this interaction, and he's just like, let's, let's cut to the chase. Well, like, here you go. Here's a little... Well, my favorite smart Alec response from him is after he tells, or he explains that, that uh, Tamlin's the king of... Whoa, brain. After that interaction where he just slips in that Tamlin's the high lord of the spring court, he's like, do you also not know that this is the spring court? He's like, what other basic info are you missing there, girlfriend? <laughs> and she's like, no shit, I know that. And then he's he starts to explain what she had seen before, that all the courts are there. He slips in that all the high lords have their own info. By the way, fact time with Abby. Um and then we learn that he is actually not a member of an, any court. He is older than the whole world combined. And I thought that was really cool to know. Do you think, well, okay, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm still caught up in this whole, like, the, the gods that they used, that no longer existed type thing. Do you, like him being older than all of these courts, do you think him or beings like him that are that predate all of their existence are those gods that they are praying to? Forgotten gods? I don't know. I would never call the serial god, though. Yeah, probably not him. That's fair. I like that he 
is giving her like directions though. He's like, you're going to be good. Just stay with the high Lord. Don't ask questions. Don't do anything. Just stay with them. You'll be good to go. Don't look for answers. Shut it. Right. I don't know if I trust that. Like, I know he can't lie. And I know he's got to answer any question. But, like, that's real sus. I would, if anything, be more motivated to look for more answers. <laughs> be like, nope, you just said the thing that I have to do and I have to do it now. So, nope. Do you remember how I was like, he doesn't answer questions he doesn't want to answer? So, like, <laughs> she goes, hey, where'd the blight come from? And he just completely disregards her and it's like hey so does the high lord know you're here i'm like guess not the sass well like his eyes narrow and i just picture like cartoony like you you came here with he doesn't even know i'm not what are you doing well i mean his eyes are all white he's got no pupils so it's literally like his eyelids are narrowing (laughs) i don't know this serial just keeps spilling information that they has not asked for like specifically enough because she's like where'd the blight come from he's gonna get the info he wants to get out and that's it like and i don't think Feyre even realizes that he's doing that to her like that he's that he's telling her the information he wants to give, not the information she's necessarily asking for. I love that um, the surreal decides what he wants to tell her and he tells her, oh, hey, by the way, want to let you know that there's a whole nother world you don't know about called Highburn with a king who's really mad that he had to sign the treaty, who's just starting wars. And here's some extra info you didn't ask for. Which is wild because so far all we've known is that there's above the wall prithian and below the wall human territory and now we're finding out there's other there's whole other lands with kings and it's the last info he gets out like he's about to tell her more like about the war that happened that there was a, a quote a deceiver and then he suddenly goes hey we're not alone anymore Right when it's like, like, it's all very interesting, but like, we're really about to find out like, oh, somebody had, I I don't know, like, I guess betrayed, disobeyed him, as he said, and we're about to find out who this person is, the tea's getting hot, and he's like, "Ah, oh, we're not alone, it's like, no, bestie, we more information we have to build too. Don't worry, it's just leading to our cliffhanger, of course, that is, in walks four shadowy creatures, the Naga, the Naga, no matter how you want to pronounce it, it's all the same thing, who are fairies made of shadow, hate, and rot. Well, before, right before they get there, what gets me is that, like, of all the information Surreal has just dropped, he reiterates, stay with the High Lord to see everything righted. Like, he's like, this, if you take anything away from this, this uh, meetup, Stay with the High Lord. See everything righted. Like, he is really pushing that that home. We hear it again. That's what, second or third time at this point? I wonder, like, how Feyre is feeling. Because at this point, she's like, it's a relief to not be around Tamlin. Like, I want to go home. He's like, oh, don't ever leave. How confusing would that be? Your body's screaming, don't be by this person. And then this random truth-telling fairy is like, Hey, it's like the, the one thing I don't want to do, the last thing I want to do. And you're telling me that's what I have to do. 
Like, that sucks. Stay with the high lord. Everything's going to be righted. And you're like, please no. You're like, that's the very last thing I want to do, my friend. And then, of course, in come these random creatures. But also, she frees the cereal. No. Free me and return to the high lord's side. And as she goes to reach with her knife to free him, as she goes to the snare, in they come. Oh, that's when they show up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, she's going to free him. She's going to try to free him. And she had been told once she did that, she would need to take off. And she's still like, why wouldn't you just like, you know, like if, she, if you're that worried that this thing's going to hurt and attack you, why wouldn't you just like go save yourself? But instead, like she actually does a nice thing for this threatening creature and or attempts to and then bestie sarah has to ruin it i'm just like oh sarah you know it's the thought that counts all right cereal can't be mad she's she's her heart's in the right place it is time for my favorite part of the entire week and that is our star of the week and we've actually got a different one today, guys. We've got not a Etsy shop, which is <laughs> really what we've been focusing on because there's too many cute things in the world. This is actually just an Instagram account. Her name is Shelby and her Instagram at is Magical Books Shelves. Just, it's fabulous though. Yes. Which I'm thinking of magical bookshelves, but magical bookshelves. She is a high lady of the dawn court, self-proclaimed. <laughs> she loves to read. She loves fantasy and romance, and she loves all things wild and wicked. I like it. So she has maybe the most aesthetic Instagram account I've personally ever seen in my life, Libby. What do you think? I fell in love with it immediately. I, even with the variety of the different, um, books and escapes that she has on there it's it all just flows so nicely together it's so appealing to the eye it's so aesthetically pleasing it is the most aesthetic instagram account i've ever seen in my life and i am so excited to read the little blurb that she's got for you so shelby says i was a huge reader when i was younger that started with my mom reading me harry potter at bedtime as I got older and went through high school, college, starting adult life, etc., I fell a little away from it and was barely reading at all. Last year, though, I picked up a book that had been sitting on my shelf for years and I was sucked back in. Of course, I'm talking about Akatar. I blew through that series and became so obsessed with it and Sarah J. Mass that I immediately picked up Throne of Glass. While I was reading through both series, I kept encountering the same problem. I had nobody to talk to about it. I tried talking to friends and then my boyfriend, now husband, but it was exhausting to try to summarize all of the books and then explain why I was mad, happy, sad, etc. That's when I started looking at bookstagrams. I already followed a few on my personal page, but I kept finding more and more and then decided to start my own in February of this year. And it's been one of the best decisions of my life. I've loved knowing so many wonderful souls on here and finding people who love the same books as I do and talk to them about them. I'm so super grateful that my account has gone as far as as it has in the last few months. I'm currently living in sunny Orlando, Florida, and when I'm not reading, I love spending time with my husband, our fur babies, which uh, a corgi named Luna, and our kitty Jasper. Oh. oh my God. And visiting theme parks and playing video games. So one, Libby, this sounds like um, a potential best friend for you. Yes. All of those things are things you like to a T. They are. My husband wants so badly to retire there too. So like, I mean, we could be friends. This bookstagram account is, like I said, one of the most beautiful accounts I have ever seen. So well put together. Please go check it out. And she talks about everything mass related, fourth wing, 
crown blood i mean you've got everything under the sun there to go look at i have to say i love the community i love how one author has brought so many people together so many different i mean like there there's people from different countries it's i mean it stretches everywhere and it's just brought such a such a a group of people to one another and it's opened the floor to talk about so many things whether it's mental health whether it's um lgbtqia plus i mean there's so many so many conversations these books have opened up and i just i love the cult guys i love it well she said she started her instagram because she had nobody to talk to about the books and um we started this podcast because we talked about the books too much so can completely relate yes you know i tried i tried talking to my husband about it and now he thinks it's funny to pretend to be a tamlin sympathizer so you know what my husband has actually been listening to our podcast which i get embarrassed to record in front of him or edit in front of him which is stupid because he's listening to it anyway right but he's like i don't understand this tamlin guy seems fine what i mean lucian kind of seems like a jerk but tamlin seems fine oh sure we'll let you hold on to that for a little while longer and as of now he is honey he's great Calling all dreamers. We want to hear from you guys. Slide into our DMs on Instagram. Check out our TikTok. Or email us at a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com. You could be our first email. We have not gotten a listener email. I know it's sad. Tell us everything. How you found the series. Your favorite characters. Your questions you have for us. Thoughts. Opinions. Just about anything. You know, we, we, we like to talk. We do. We have a whole podcast so we can talk. So talk to us. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I thought that no one could fix me. Can't get hold of my feelings with you in my head, with you in my heart. I'm not afraid of the dark. Oh, you're not going to outro with Jurassic Park again? Da, 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 da.